Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Listening to Satellite Sisters, we're happy to be here today. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer. I'm a producer, and today I'm just trying to look on the bright side of life. Is that good for you? Yeah. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent goal. Okay, this is Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm in uh, Bend, Oregon. But I want to start today by wishing Julie Dolan a belated happy birthday. Yesterday was your birthday. Julie, we did. All the sisters got together and sent you a gift. But you're not at home, so you won't receive it till you are at home. I know. Well, I'm in Steamboat Springs, but I did get a call from our sister, Sheila, who okay. alerted me to this uh, little activity that you'd all planned. And I have to say thank you very much. I, I look forward to it. I'm in Steamboat Springs right now. Uh, it's The package is back in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheila informed me that... The gift is more Dallas than Steamboat Springs, whatever that means, and it's on the way. But I thank you very much. I had a very nice day. I feel fortunate I was up here uh, in Steamboat with my three grandchildren and my husband and my daughter. My granddaughter, Alice, baked me a birthday cake. And uh, Liz, I have to say... I would found myself quoting from cooking from Liz oh, because what? I was referring to things like the mise en place <laughs> and uh, the sous chef. Well, that was the role I was playing. And hey. uh, did you ex- did you explain that there's no eyeballing and baking? Yes, exactly, Liz. That's exactly what I did. So I don't know how that's possible, but you are now like that. That's that's what I was passing. Those are the gems I was passing on to my granddaughter. Cooking tips from Liz Dolan. (laughs) Liam, what has my life become? I am Julie. I'm literally shaking my head here. I mean, (laughs) I know things things have happened in America in the last three months that make you shake your head, but none. None more so than Liz, cooking influencer, frankly. No, I know. As the, as the song goes in Hamilton, the world turned upside down. Oh, it wow. Is, now she's is. singing. I know. We have, we've had a 20-year rule, Liz. No singing on Satellite Sisters. Please do okay. not start now. All right. That's One last thing. I do want to wish everyone a happy Bastille Day. Did you realize that? July 14th, happy Bastille Day. Vive la France. You remember France. We, that's a country. We can't go visit it now, but it's a country. Remember France? Well, today's their big day. So happy Bastille. used to be great. France was great. Yeah. Okay. I know. It was a good country. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, we're all looking on the bright side, aren't we? We're trying, but we are going to tackle some of the serious uh, stories of the day and mainly that affect the satellite sisterhood. I think the news yesterday that the country's second largest school system, Los Angeles Unified School District, was not opening its doors, was sticking with remote learning for the fall was sobering. Uh, We were already going to talk about the effects of remote learning, working from home, 
trying to raise children on women and their careers. That was already in the rundown. So we posted yesterday um, in the Facebook group for parents, particularly of school age kids, K through 12, what are you doing? Do you have a plan A and a plan B? Because people seem to be making, having to make some extraordinary decisions, trying to balance their children's schooling, their work, their career, paying the bills, caring for elderly people in their house. So uh, we have some fantastic answers to that. I mean, not fantastic. We got many thoughtful answers, I should say, because they're all kind of wrenching. So we're going to talk about that in our second segment. Uh, We're doing that today. Um, Let's see. Then we have... We're following that up with one of our signature statement segments, which is tidbits. Uh, <laughs> Everybody needs some tidbits, Lena. Yep. You know, everybody needs them. You know. yep. These yep. are topics. They're not weighty topics, uh, yep. but they're things that, you know, you might, that might, um, uh, you know, amuse you or uh, enlighten yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, professional comedy people might call it just observational humor, but we know it's simply tidbits. So we have some tidbits on everything from Malala's birthday to the future of buffets. So stay tuned for that in the last, in the last segment. Uh, but first, just a little, how was your week? People are in various places. Well, at least you guys are, uh, we're all in our closets in our various places, but Julie, you're there in steamboat and you have your, um, you have your grandchildren. So Nana camp is officially in action. You raised the flag. You lit the first campfire. Was there an opening ceremony? Right. Well, we had t-shirts. Well, Nana camp uh, 2020 is it's the same setting sisters. I'm here in steamboat Springs. I have the same campers. These are my three oldest grandchildren, Alice, uh, Benjamin and Peter. But like any other year, this, this is not the same. They arrived in face masks and face shields with a lot of hand sanitizer after being isolated at home for, uh, you know, over a week. Um, so, but they're here, they're healthy. Uh, the one thing, this they're older now. Uh, Alice is 13, uh, Ben is 11, and Peter is 6. So the first thing I've noticed at camp is they eat more food, okay? Oh, I oh, mean, okay, that yeah. is a big thing because it used to be like snack at camp. I'd throw some goldfish and a couple of grapes in a paper cup. Claire, hey, it's great. But Leanne, I had to pull out the panini maker. Get it out. Yeah, for the other day. These kids are hungry. Okay. Second thing, more outdoors. Uh, we are, you know, the, we love Steamboat Springs. There's so many great things to do here in the summer for kids. And we have had a tradition at Nana Camp of like visiting the library, going to the movie theater, going to the ice skating rink in the summer. Always fun. The hot springs, the rodeo, the farmer's market. We're not, we're not, uh, doing any of those this summer but so we have shifted to longer hikes outside um, some of the older campers are trying fishing today we do wading we do swimming in ponds not pools um, and uh, just in general I mean the the message I got from Vera my daughter-in-law before Nana Camp started was first of all she said thank you thank you for doing it you know it's a great relief for working parents to just you know, to have something fun and different to do uh, with the kids for the summer. But she said, please, you know, just more nature, no screens, no cell phones, no iPads, no TV. Mm. They just have had so much of that this spring and early summer just to occupy them. She really wanted me to emphasize just 
have them outdoors, just next to trees. That's, that's really what she said to me. Um, and I have to say the kids are really taking it in stride, even though there's a lot of things that they love doing up here that they can't do. They're really good. They wear their masks wherever they have to wear their masks. And, you know, yesterday we went to go swimming uh, in the Yampa River, but we got to the river. There's a little uh, like a, a special pool we were trying to swim in, um, but it was filled with kids. So they couldn't do that. But you know what? You know what my default activity this year at Nana Camp is, is ice cream cones. OK, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We can't if something we show up somewhere and it's closed. We go get an ice cream. You know, if, you know, we wanted to, you know, do some, you know, we heard that we were wanted to go ice skating, but the rink was closed. Hey, we'll go get an ice cream cone. So they may gain about 10 pounds this summer, but, you know, we are not, we are not stopping. And I just think it's important. We're trying to keep them outside, right. keep them doing things and uh, really trying to be as positive as we can, you know, because Ben, who's 11, said, said to me, you know, he said, Nana, there might not be sixth grade this year. And uh, yeah. that's kind of a giant statement. I mean, for, right. you know, to think about. Um, and not that, you know, I mean, ben, Ben's relationship with school runs hot and cold, but he did want to go on the sixth grade field trip. Right. Oh. Houston, and they go to NASA and they get to go see, you know, mission control and all of that. Oh, so, right. I know, I know. So it's... Um, it's interesting, but I think I have a role to play. Um, you know, we are just, we're going to be outside. We're going to try to do as many interesting things outside as we can. And we feel very fortunate that they're here at camp. And, uh, and if we can't do that, we're going to eat ice cream. Okay. So that's (laughs) it. All right. I want to suggest one of my favorite activities from summer camp. You hearing you describe that. Remember at night you used to do things evening program. And I always liked making the fairy rock gardens. Like you would pick out a grove of trees or something. And then you just have to use all little things from nature and make a little fairy rock garden at the base of a tree. So I would like to suggest that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It yeah. sort of borders on crafting, which you know is not a strength at Nana at Nana Camp. But, but, but I, there's I, no I, glitter. There's no glitter. There's no glue. It's gathering okay. rocks and pebbles and arranging them in an in- interesting way. Finding a good tree. So I'd like to suggest that to all. It's my okay. contribution. Okay. Thank you, Leon. You're welcome. Very deep. All right. Well, uh, this list. I'm also exploring like the idea of. What do I really want to do and what do I want to stay away from under the concept that we discussed a couple of weeks ago of the exposure allocation? You know, yeah. it's yeah. hard to keep yourself in a 100 percent bubble, but I'm very conscious of really picking my spots. So here's one thing I'm doing and one thing I'm not doing. So I really wanted to get back to swimming if I could. And the big public pool here, I read that they were opening and I read all of their rules and protocols. And I was like, hmm, I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm buying that this is really safe. So I went over and did a complete investigation and was so thrilled and relieved to see what the fine folks at Bend Parks and Recreation have figured out. 
So this is a big, like huge outdoor Olympic pool. And it used to be that you had to enter through the building and then people would go into the locker rooms and then you do this and you do that and you come out to the outside and then you swim in the pool. Uh, now, there's no, nobody's going in any building, or I'm certainly not. So there's no more check-in in the building. The locker rooms are closed. The bathrooms are closed. You now, you come in, you literally, you have to wear your bathing suit there. So you get out of the car in your bathing suit and whatever cover-up you have. You go it's there. It's like being look- 11. It's like being 11. You know yeah, that? it is. You just wear your bathing suit all day. <laughs> That's exactly what I felt like, Leanne. Especially when you're driving home in a wet yeah. bathing suit, you just feel like a kid, except for the fact that you're driving. It just reminds you, really, so- you really got to hope you don't get a stop for a speeding ticket. You yeah. See, that would be bad, right, Liz? Like, yes. So. Anyway, so then they have a very nice person there at the gate. Now they've sort of opened up the gate where they used to roll in equipment. Well, now that's how you enter. Oh, first of all, you have to make a reservation for a lane. So there are only as many people as there are lanes. Okay. So there are, there are eight lanes in the shallow end, eight lanes in the deep end. That's it. So max of 16 people in the whole operation. You come in, your name is on the list. You have 40 minutes and you own that lane. But they tell you, okay, you're the one o'clock shift. You take the chairs along what they call the park side. So you have like an assigned chair that you can throw your stuff on. Then the next shift that comes in at, say, 145, they're assigned to the chairs on the building side. So you never even cross paths with the people that are coming in before or after you. And in between, they have time to completely sanitize the chairs, which, by the way, I'm not touching the chairs. There's no sitting on the chair. There's just throwing your stuff down on the chair. So basically, you come in, you strip out of your stuff. You jump into your lane, which is 100% safe because chlorinated water we know is safe. You do your thing for 40 minutes. I'm managing to get out of the pool without using the ladder, which is a good... <laughs> it's just... Wow. It seems not... extreme, Liz. It does I mean... seem extreme. Yeah. Okay. It's... But okay. Are you I'm wearing, not... are you wearing um, plastic gloves when you're swimming, Liz? Or wait, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Oh, okay. and everyone is masked coming in and out, of course. So anyway, so the whole thing is just such a pleasure. They've got it totally figured out. I completely trust their system. It hasn't been crowded. It's super organized. So yay, I'm doing that. That's now included in my exposure allocation. Thank you, Bend Parks and Rec. Now, it, is, the, it is it is amazing how like creative you know places are getting and how they've rethought their whole processes totally. and procedures. Yeah. So good for them. Yep. Yeah, like they moved all the spin bikes outside. So if you wanted to do I'm not doing that. I hate spinning anyway. But you know, that's all outside. The Zumba classes are outside in the park now. Uh but the pool, I'm totally convinced, is like totally worth the effort. Now the flip side of something I'm not gonna do, which seems like exposure I do not need. I saw this, you know, Ben has one of those uh, alternative weekly newspapers, which are always so much fun to read. Uh, it's called The Source. So I was reading The Source the other day, and I saw this small ad for something I am 100% not going to do because it's curbside acupuncture. So this, <laughs> this is wow. curbside wow. acupuncture. Let me think about is, that, Liz. I, well, let me just read you the description. Uh, Okay, it's a minimal contact drive-up experience specifically for those experiencing high levels of stress. And they're doing it two days a week at, you know, at, at an acupuncture place here in town. I just think having curbside acupuncture would produce so much stress. I don't, yeah, 
I mean, acupuncture by its very nature, they're touching you, they're putting needles in you. And I'm sure they can sanitize the needles and all of that, but I do not need this. The swimming, I 100% need for my mental and physical health. This right now, a bridge too far in my exposure allocation. That's all I'm saying. Not doing the curbside acupuncture. Default position, right. you should just go get yourself an ice cream cone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only apparently the only way I'm vacationing this year is through other people's Facebook posts, but I would like to give a special thanks to Heidi over there in our Satellite Sisters Facebook group. First of all, she and her husband did something I didn't even know you could do, rent a boat and tour what, what is apparently referred to as the Upper Mississippi. I'm just going to say, I'm not that familiar with the geography of the Mississippi. So when I saw like, sorry, I'm snorting Hudson, Wisconsin, Afton, Minnesota, like I didn't know people just went on the Mississippi up through that area in a boat that they could rent. I mean, it looked fantastic. They brought along their dog, Millie, but what really caught my eye was that Heidi brought along a copy of the Sweeney sisters. And so it was a little, you know, it was just this vacation for my book. She kept taking photos for eight days of her reading the Sweeney sisters in glorious seaside watery locations on the quote, upper Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely loved it. Heidi, I cannot thank you enough. It was the best vacation I never went on. So what was that like? Didn't you, what, what was that other like little guy you're supposed to take photos of? And Flat with, Stanley. Flat, yeah, Stanley. Flat Stanley. She Flat Stanley, the Sweeney sisters. And I have to say it was really, really appreciated by me. So thank you. It's a new way to do a book tour. Uh, really just send the book on a tour. I'm not with the book. <laughs> the book is on its own, but Heidi and your husband and Millie, fantastic job. Thank you so much. The photos are all over there. Eight days she posted at our Satellite Sisters Facebook group, and it looked cool and lovely and delightful. Thanks, Heidi. All right. Well, speaking of virtual vacation, sisters, that's the approach I've decided to take for this week's Cooking with Liz. That's right. We're doing it again. There's more Cooking with Liz coming, but this week it's going to be grilling with Liz. And here's why. You know I'm here in Bend. So my last season of cooking with Liz, I did the watermelon ice cream in my backyard in Bend, which was very fun to do. And so many people made that recipe, Liam. Did you notice how many people tried it at home? That was also a delight to see those photos popping up all over Facebook with all kinds of ice cream combinations, everything from vegan to pistachio on the outside. I loved it. Yeah, lots of great interpretations. Yep. So I was thinking like, so what else could I do in my backyard? Because it is so nice to be outside. And you know, and in the ice cream episode, at the very end, my guest tasters who emerged, surprised, emerged from the, from Liz's tasting shed, were our brother Dick and our sister-in-law Susan, who live here in Bend full time. Well, Susan used to live and work in Juneau, Alaska, And she worked for a while at a place called the Gold Creek Salmon Barbecue in Juneau. So this is the place where if you were a tourist disembarking from your cruise ship, they would load you onto a bus and they head a few miles up Gold Creek and you could pan for gold for a while, buy a few crafts, and then you would have the all-you-can-eat salmon barbecue. And we know, because we've all had dinner in Dick and Susan's backyard, it is their go-to summer entertaining meal, right? You, yes. you guys have both had it. Yes, many times. Yes. It's delicious. 
It's delicious. So I decided I'm going to try the Gold Creek Salmon Barbecue Recipe. So it's all posted in the Facebook group. You'll see it as a post and you will see it also in the files where all of the recipes are. And, uh, you know, Dick, as Dick loves to... He's a man of fire. Dick is about yeah. managing the grill, spending a lot of time at his grill. I was reading through the recipe and you had, he has you like flipping the fish over and over and over again and basting and flipping and basting and flipping. That's which is his not, method. It's, it's his method. So you know me, I am trying to follow the recipe. So that's what I'm going to make this weekend. There's, there's no eyeballing and grilling either. Okay. <laughs> So I'm just just alerting people this weekend. I'm going to do this season, which is season 14, sisters, uh, 14 seasons. Um, it's, that we will just have a premiere and a finale in season 14. So oh, the, premiere, the premiere will be Saturday at noon Pacific time. And the finale will be Sunday at noon Pacific time. The key is a the quality of the fish needs to be super fresh. Of course, they were living in both living in Alaska. So they got a lot of fresh salmon around here. So I got to procure that. And then the, the basting sauce, just making sure that everything is properly basted. So there you go. It's kind of a virtual, like you're not going to take that Alaska cruise this summer. I hope, I hope everybody, uh, but we're going to give you a taste of what you would be eating. If you had actually taken that vacation. <laughs> Liz, Whatever you say, Liz. Exciting. That's great. Ooh, Liz. Well, I, I do feel like that you are going to be in in your element, Liz, because you do like to grill. So yes. uh -huh. uh, this could be this could be very positive. Yeah, that's. And I, I feel like you always need a new grilled salmon recipe because I eat a lot of grilled salmon. So yeah, I'm I'm going for it. And this does taste different than other grilled salmons. It has a very distinct flavor. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good recipe. All right. I'm looking forward to that, Liz. That's a busy weekend for you. You better re rest up. <laughs> better rest up. A lot of the production in the backyard. I got to work out, yeah. like, where do I put the stack of FabFitFun boxes with my laptop on top that you'll be able to see the grill and all of that. I might have to move the grill. There might be some. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And remember, it's all also about maintaining all of the social distancing. So I can only go to the store once. I'm back there by myself, except Dick okay. might be off in the okay. distance just yelling. Okay, Liz. Okay. Right. Okay, yeah. Liz. Work it out, Liz. So work this out. Get back, it's called, get back yeah. to us, Liz. Yeah. Production okay. notes. <laughs> it is incredible how uh, right now is the time in the show when we do thank our sponsors. But just ahead of this, we were talking about how much we're enjoying all the boxes from our sponsors to use as, uh, you know, Apple car Apple crates here to boost our microphones and all yeah. of our computers in our closet. We are all using sponsor boxes right now to produce this show. So yeah, I got everything going on on my away luggage here in my closet. Yeah. Yeah, I got a Brooklinen box. It's just right for my laptop. Uh, in fact, that's what I said when it arrived. I go, oh, that box is great. And <laughs> my husband's like, do you want what's in it or just the box? I'm like, okay. <sighs> All right. We would like to thank our sponsors right now on Satellite Sisters. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we... <laughs> We love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life. 
aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OSEAMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) In their skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer and it just delivers this full body glow. Okay. You know we have raved about the Andaria algae body oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria collagen body oil. Youthful, yeah. Liz. A youthful yeah. glow is gonna happen. <laughs> and it's so infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. All right, we're back. This is the Satellite Sisters. And, uh, you know, our plan this week was to take a look at what affects the pandemic, the remote learning, everything that's going on has had on the effects of women in the workplace. And when we really took a close look at this, for the last couple of weeks, we've been, you know, setting aside articles, doing a lot of reading. And when we really took a a look at this, we realized we can't discuss any of that without discussing what is happening with children at home. Uh, There are 50 million Americans who are working parents who are dealing with the lack of school openings, no summer camps, no summer school, and the possibility of schools not opening at all in the fall. And yesterday when LAUSD announced that they would not be opening and going to remote learning only for the fall, that was like, uh, was it a curtain coming down or a wake up call? How would you describe that, Julie, when you thought about that? I think it's a curtain coming down, Leanne. You know, I mean, I, I think certainly the schools are more prepared to provide virtual learning now than they were in March. But this is, this is not what, parents wanted to hear, you know, certainly. No, no. No. And I noticed the superintendent of LAUSD said, you know, we're announcing it now. We made the decision now. So parents have, you know, the time parents and teachers have the time to prepare. You know, the school year starts in five weeks. We just wanted people to know. And I think that's certainly a big part of the anxiety. What is going to happen? So just to back up a bit, we took a look at sort of some articles out there, some studies out there about what we do know about what's happening now. And Ms. Magazine had a good piece uh, that cited studies from the University of Utah. And here's here's what we know. Women at home are carrying the burden of education during COVID, right? So Mm -hmm. even pre-COVID, 
you know, women did a lot more housework, a lot more childcare around the house. Some studies say as much as 50% more than men. So we're talking about uh, these would be heterosexual couples, right? Uh, so the University of Utah did a study of over a thousand heterosexual couples taking a look at how their childcare and remote learning routines had changed during COVID. And I'm here to tell you that the women are still doing the bulk of the housework and the bulk of the uh, the at-home learning. They're in charge of that, allowing the man to work more. So that is just the reality that, that women, I don't want to say are getting stuck with being in charge of the remote learning and the schooling while also trying to work from home, but I think that's it. They're getting stuck doing it. So right. that's the reality. We something's got to give, right? So something's not getting done for all the extra right. time that they're spend right. on, spending on the education. Right. 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 You know, and then you know, Julie, you go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, Lena and Liz, I just saw an interesting article in the Washington Post. Uh, this was, it's a micro study. It was a, a working parents. They're both college professors. They have three children and they wanted to study. They wanted to see really what it was like, how much time they were actually working at home uh, versus uh, helping their children. So the, on a usual day, they have a system where one parent for three hours would go work. And then the other parent was on duty with the three kids and they were supposed to be in charge of managing the kids and trying to work. And they wanted to, they tried to measure how often they were interrupted by their children. And it would be for things like questions about homework or, you know, telling the child to do chores or fixing a snack or a check-in hug or tech support for their iPad or shrieks of laughter. But this is amazing. The parent in a three hour time frame, the parent was interrupted 45 times on an average of 15 times per hour. And if you're a working parent at home, you know, this is true. The average length of uninterrupted stretch of work. So like with the on duty parent who's trying to get some work done was three minutes and 24 seconds. Now, they did have the longest uninterrupted period was 19 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, But the shortest was mere seconds. So, (laughs) I mean... I know, I, Julie, I will have a link to that story in the show notes, but as I read it, it's like, it starts to make it, make you laugh at first because it's insane. And then right. you realize like, oh my God, the implications of this, we are not really dealing with it at all. No, we aren't. We're just pretending that yeah. like the same amount of work is getting done at home when you have, you know, school age children. It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. Children need attention. They can't right. get to all the stuff by, by themselves. So, and then that the demands from work are, are greater too. I mean, and unless employers are really recognizing how much this, this is going on, obviously this is one data point, but I think any working parent or parents, they know this to be true, that this is 100% correct in terms of the amount of interruptions and, you know, quality work time, three minutes and 24 seconds. That's really what, 
what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just the fact that I saw sort of every working journalist, I know a female journalist retweet that on Twitter is a sign Mm -hmm. that it's not just one data point that 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 story really resonated with a lot of, with a lot of working parents, just this idea that you can do it all at home and kids are just going to go in the corner and do their math homework. I don't, those are, that's people who have never met children, you know, (laughs) and that's high school kids. They're not, they're not staying away from me. They're going to bug you. Hey, mom, hey, you know, I mean, exactly. how long did I work at home? 15 years. Every single time I got on the phone, so one of them yelled up the stairs, <laughs> even though repeatedly told, please do not interrupt me at work. Please don't assume I'm on a call. But no. So it's just I know. I mean, it is funny, but it's not. And then the last study before we go to some of our Facebook responses was a good piece from the Stanford Business School. Uh, and um, it it's there's a lot of information in there and this kind of takes us to a different place about what managers and leaders can do to understand that where there might be opportunities for women in this case like where they're falling behind in terms of zoom calls but where there's opportunities for them to make it up uh, in terms of being seen at work and being able to contribute but the one line in the whole that set up the whole article really sort of puts it in perspective that this is the first time in modern history that the three big institutions that are sort of the pillars of American family life, work, family, and school, are all happening in one. And Mm. what Stanford found in their research is that, again, in heterosexual couples, women are paying the price, handling the bulk of the school and family while men are concentrating on work. So, but think about it, right, it's all happening in one place. No one wants that. (laughs) No No one one. thinks that's a good idea. No. (laughs) No, and, and, and just exactly. imagine all of the, all of the examples we've used are in like two parent households. Imagine, right. and we have so many listeners where it's a single parent household. I just I can't even imagine. Right. So, Liz, we asked that question on the Facebook group. You know, we were thinking about it yesterday, and uh, Julie, you said your kids, you know, who have children, were making sort of plan A and plan Bs. What's the plan A? If the school opens, will we go? What's the plan B? And some of those plan Bs that we've heard about anecdotally have been fairly, you know, extreme, like moving to school districts that are going to open and, you know, taking your kid from one school uh, where they don't have remote learning to another school where they do. People are making different decisions. So it was a great question, Julian. We want to ask the Satellite Sisterhood. So I'm going to roll through some of these, but we'll stop to talk. But Cameron, I thought, had one. It was just so of the moment. She said, I had to make that decision today, and it was brutal. I'm in Florida, and our options were virtual or regular school. My son is going to kindergarten, and my youngest will be in pre-K, regular school live. If money wasn't a factor, we would stay at home, uh, as we have all summer. But you know what? Somebody has to work to provide for the family. So she'll be working in the school system, and she hopes the local leaders change their minds to virtual schools. But that's, that's it. She had to make the decision yesterday, and they are going back to school. And she is also working in the schools. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah uh, had a response that I think kind of summed up a very typical response from the satellite sister and Mr. Hood. She said, both her husband and I work 
full-time. They have a six and four-year-old boy and a two-month-old, okay? So she's been home on maternity leave. She works in the manufacturing sector for a Fortune 500 company. Her plant has not gone, uh, has not shut down. It's an essential business. So she's been out on maternity leave. She said online learning was not a good experience and damaged my relationship with my six-year-old, which breaks my heart, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she said, you know, most people at my work don't take it seriously and don't wear masks. So she's hoping that turns around. So they don't know what to do. She said, I have a ton of anxiety as I approach returning to work from my maternity leave. And then here's the other X factor that so many women are dealing with. And once my kids go back to school, we won't be able to see my parents because they are 74. Oh, it's wow. a terrible choice to have to make. And we have considered if one of us should stop working, which I'm sure many people have. And then ugh, that breaks my heart, too, because so many women for generations, you know, have really worked hard to build that pipeline and to achieve right, that right. and she's in manufacturing and just to step away. Oh, I was fuming about that yesterday, thinking about that. But I thought, you know. Karen and Sarah, we are thinking about you. I don't, I don't know what you do. Like they need a nanny and they're going to go to the real school and that's going to be really hard to find a childcare worker. But I think that's literally millions of parents. Yeah. Uh, we First heard from all is, yeah, is the anxiety of going back. I mean, you know, this is, you know, for, you know, Lee and Liz, the, for parents, the school choice, like finding the right school for your right, child. Right. You know, each child has different learning needs. And, you know, I mean, for some, you know, they need, you know, they may need special help. They may need a different type of environment. It is as a parent, it is like the biggest decision you make. So to be forced into these like, you know, hard choices like, you know, online learning versus sending them back where maybe, you know, maybe it will work, maybe it won't work, or, you know, maybe it will work for September, but by October it won't be, you know, a good, you know, they'll need another scenario. This is really amazing. I was, you know, you know, just, it was really struck by how much anxiety this is for parents and how worried they are about their children and trying to to put the kids first, which I think is whatever, you know, all parents want to do. What is best for my child, you know, when they ha are facing these difficult choices? Yeah. Right. And then, you know, part of it is safety. And the other part, people, there's so much anxiety over actually continuing to learn, you know, are, are they really yeah. going to be, or, or the social part of it too. So many of our listeners wrote in about like, my kids really need to be around other kids. And even though, even though I know there's a risk in that, I feel like that outweighs the, the, the happiness they'll get from being around other kids outweighs the, the slight risk of being in a schoolhouse with a lot of people. What a killer decision to have to make. Yeah. Yeah. We did hear we have a lot of teachers that listen to Satellite yeah. Sisters. Thank you, teachers. We have teachers. We have administrators. We have librarians. We have, you know, everything from pre-K teachers all the way up to college professors here. So Jennifer wanted to assure parents, she said, listen, if schools go virtual, it's not going to be the same as the spring. That was a crisis teaching with literally no planning or resources 
We walked out of the building with no warning that we would return. Every teacher in district I know is planning now. Okay, Jennifer, that's we're, we're glad to hear that. But she did say this, the child care burden cannot fall squarely on the schools. You know, she said they need community resources. They need businesses to step up and government to step up. And she said, a week ago, I was ready to return to my school, quote, for the kids. But I don't know now with these surges. And then Olivia, oh my gosh, Olivia, she said her whole world is very gray. Both she and her husband are teachers. They have five kids, mm-hmm. 10 eight, five, three, and three. Her plan A is whatever is safest for all. At home doesn't scare us much, at least not as much as leaving her bubble and risking infection. Also, Olivia, you're teachers. So that's that's a huge head start, Olivia. Congrats. (laughs) But here's one thing we heard from several people, and I've heard this anecdotally. My mother-in-law is a teacher. She's considering retiring from teaching due to COVID. And so she may do a Nana Academy, but we heard that in several from several other people, like older teachers are just retiring because they right. just don't want to take that. I mean, that's that a too. choice to have to make. And uh, Olivia said her mother-in-law doesn't want to retire and it would be better for her financially if she stayed a couple more years, but she's so stressed out about everything. She isn't sure she could go back. So that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Liz, uh, teacher Liz said, my thoughts are literally going in circles. Mm. Yeah. So, and you know, this broke my heart when she said the restrictions contradict everything I know about good teaching masks, six feet, no sharing I materials, know. no working together, no talking in pairs, separate desks facing the same direction, no lunch, no moving classrooms. She said, how is that going to work in middle school? Huge. She said, I cannot wrap my brain around how this is all going to work. So, Liz, she said, I filled out so many surveys about what I feel comfortable with. I want to scream. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, people don't know. Or even if you set set up, you need multiple scenarios, you know, uh, because because of it. I mean, obviously, Europe has gone back to, to school. Asia has gone back to school. We have some examples there. But it just... You know, but we, I don't know that we have enough that, that Americans feel, you know, know which way to go about this. But uh, you got to give it to schools that are trying to put together creative programs, you know, much like the pool and bend, Liz, <laughs> you know, that they're, you know, sort of taking apart the school, you know, process yeah. and seeing what elements they can create uh, so that children can get that social interaction so they can get some contact with uh with their teacher in a real a real sense and with other students yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah right you know I, I and i think too we just we undervalue the other things like the sports and the pe and the music and the art class and the theater like how important that is for so many kids who don't really love school just to get right. them to school in the first place yeah. So I, yeah, you know, I noticed I, that, yeah, there was one of our listeners who said that her kids were, they loved being in the school play and in the school band and in the choir. And if there are, if those teachers will not have the ability to do any of those things, will the teachers end up losing their jobs? Because right. if you're not going to put on a school play, well, do we really need a theater teacher? Do we really need a, a choir instructor if there's no performance? you know, that can really alter the future of the education the kids are getting. 
Yeah. We also had, we had, um, it was funny, complete opposite A and B strategies from Nicole and Diane. So Nicole said she was considering a private school for her middle school because the remote learning was a disaster last spring. And then Diane is considering taking her third grader out of private school because she felt like it was just way too expensive for remote learning and not worth the cost. So they were, you know, put it in, put their child into a public school. But Nicole said for her, the public school doesn't use laptops or have any online platform for homework submission. So she's like, she's just looking for a better solution. And then Diane ended her comments by saying- I loved Diane's comment. (laughs) Adulting is hard, zero stars, do not recommend. I I mean, right, just these are impossible. We had a couple of parents who said they were going to pod up with other families. Rebecca said part A, a plan A was part-time in school, part-time virtual. Plan B was full-time virtual because those are the only options being considered. And they might actually, uh, she said, Minecraft has become her son's best friend right now and it's really bad. So they might pod up with other families uh, for public, for, you know, play dates and things like that. Kate said, Plan A is business as usual. Plan B is pot up with three other families and hire a homeschool teacher or nanny. So that's one option. I mean, I I looked at that. I thought that seems great in the beginning, and that could go south if you. <laughs> well, you just right. I mean, anytime you, you don't have know. like a babysitting co-ops or yeah. you know, anytime you share childcare, right? It's you know, it starts like you know, it can work out really well, and it can work, yeah. and it can work out not well at the same time, right, Leon? Right. So, but you can I find that the very different I, points of view. I mean, and you see that all of these strategies, the expectations for having the children actually learn something yeah. is really, right. you just, you don't, you have to throw out all the expectations about, you know, what you were supposed to learn in first grade or sixth grade or eighth grade, because um, you have to make it up as you go, you know, so. Julie, uh, has Nana Academy formulated a curriculum for the I am definitely I am doing? definitely part of Plan B for both both of my sons. Uh, I was happy to see that Sherry, you know, was was going to be uh, teaching her grandson Leanne. She wrote uh, wrote to us on the Facebook group. Um, yes, uh, I fully believe that Nana Academy is going to be uh, engaged in in some form, you know, and it may be. You know, it may be different that even if my Dallas-based grandchildren go back to school, will the school stay open for the entire semester? I don't know. Or will they need additional help if they're only going to school for part of the day? Um, and then I, my son who's in New York, I think the public, what they've been told about the public schools in New York is it will not be full-time. And so they... They don't know what they're doing. You know, I think that's uh, when, you know, the comment about spinning in circles and trying to figure out plans. So we were trying to, um, we were working on plans. Could Nana, Kat, could I go up there? Could they come down here? We don't know. So we, uh, but that's all in the works, Leon and Scott, you know, in the next uh, next four weeks, we're going to have to make some big decisions. Well, what you know, we're last something we've talked about this a lot across all kinds of issues in people's lives, whether it's homeschooling or we've talked about this with elder care before. You need some level of predictability, right? So you can put some kind of plan in place. And what we haven't had and what doesn't seem to be appearing is the ability to really predict anything more than like a month out from now yes. or two months out from now. 
and I've point. seen like, child experts say s- sending kids to school and then having to shut it down three weeks later could be sort of doubly damaging. Like that oh, is oh. not necessarily better. You know, oh, the old let's give it a try. They said, uh, you know, psychologists have said that's not great. So last comment from Tara, single mom in New York City. So she uh, she has a plan A, which is remote. And he or no plan. Her plan A is she's going to send him to school. if She has the chance. She's already worked that out in her mind. She's fine with it. Plan B, uh, she said she's going to work from home. And then she went into a long description of the <laughs> of her schedule and how she was going to make it work during the working and the remote learning. And then at the end, she said, please excuse the rambling. I think I'm actually working this out right here in this comment. So (laughs) we understand that. We get it. We get it. We're here for you. So we want to thank people for all their really thoughtful comments. That conversation is over on the Facebook group. Obviously, we'll be talking a lot more about that. But and if we have any answers, we'll 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 try to help you figure it out. But I don't I don't think anyone has any finite. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, No. Yeah, we're thinking well, we're going to keep talking about it, Leanne, because I think it, yes. it is so central to so many things. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. All and the links to those articles we mentioned will be at uh, SatelliteSisters.com. Mm-hmm. And next week, we'll pick up sort of part of the other half of the conversation, which is about what are the people at work doing and saying and allowing and telling you to do? We, we talked a little bit last week about leadership and what that means in these times. There was a great article in the LA Times, which I'll put in today's show notes, but, um, but we're going to talk some more about that. And we got a lot of great comments from you about that question when I asked it, like, how are you as a leader responding to this? One in particular that I mentioned today is just how hard it is and how vulnerable you have to be and how much you have to reach into people's lives. Jackie is a listener who said, I, as a high school principal of a school of 3,500 students and 300 staff, this is exactly what I'm fearing. You know, how, how do I support all of my people? Thanks for putting this out there. So, wow. Imagine being a high school principal of a school with 3,500 students. I can't. I the can't responsibility imagine. is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So much That's... is demanded of you right now. So, Jackie, we're your satellite sisters. We're here for you. And all of you, everyone who posted your answers, they're so thoughtful. Everything is so hard. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we're going to follow this up, of course, with tidbits. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Leon. Because we're Thank exhausted. <laughs> But first, I just want to mention a couple of Sweeney Sisters events, a couple of book events we're doing. I know we have a lot of listeners in the Minneapolis area. I am excited to be on Lori and Julia tomorrow. Remember our friends, Lori and Julia? Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, so I think a Satellite Sisters listener made it happen on Twitter. Uh, Lori and Julia lost their producer the longtime producer donnie love to uh budget cuts so now they're producing their own shows and twitter made it happen so they reached out to me i'll be on fm 107 on wednesday at 3 30 to talk about the sweeney sisters with Lori and julia and i love talking about books with them because they're great readers so uh excited to talk to them and check in with them still doing the wednesday book clubs you can find all that information at leandolan.com uh a quick update on the book plates um, boy, this was one of those things that was a great idea in February, and then there was a global <laughs> pandemic. Uh, so I have signed all the book plates, and I've sent them to my publisher. It was the publisher sending out the book plates. You know, their mail rooms are shut. 
Um, they're all working out of tiny apartments in Brooklyn. They literally, you know, I, uh, Queens is where I sent the book plates, actually, tiny apartments in Queens. So they're literally hand mailing them. So I thank you for your patience. I hope that, you know, you should get them soon. If you don't get them in the next couple of weeks, let me know. I have a couple extra here, but they have all been signed, but it's just, thanks for your patience. It's just been so much more complicated uh, because of the pandemic. Um, hey, this weekend on, on my Facebook page, I'm going to be talking to Susan Prever. She is probably not someone you've heard of, but she is my longtime yoga teacher. Oh. And she's written a really, yeah, you know, she's sort of my celebrity yoga teacher, Susan. I've been taking from for a long time. And she has published a memoir and it's really an astonishing look at her look as a ballerina in New York in the 70s and 80s. She was like plucked from Los Angeles and sent to the American Ballet Theater School at 13 and spent the next 10 years as a ballerina and then when she was cut, uh, fired from a, a ballet company, she essentially had a nervous breakdown and then completely reinvented her life. But um, so we're going to, so it's a story about resilience and recovery and recuperation and now she's a yoga teacher and actress here in Los Angeles and has a lot to say. And it's a beautiful memoir. So I'm going to be speaking to her this week and then doing uh, an event with her uh, through the Romans bookstore virtual site on Monday. So I'll be posting all those links around, but things are still happening. Things are still happening on the book okay. plate uh, right. on the book front. So thanks. Okay. All right. Is well, it time for tidbits? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> tee up the tidbits. Yay. <laughs> Okay, well, I was thinking about tidbits over the weekend because, you know, you're sort of, we, because we have to produce this show for every Tuesday, like desperately looking for some fun things, for some light relief, for some uh, just things that will give you joy, because there are a lot of things out there that are not. And, you know, the, the word doom scrolling was sort of invented for this particular time. They're all just like scrolling through Twitter or Facebook, looking for more bad news. So I've gone to relief scrolling, or I'll find out some better name for it, where I'm spending the... I can't quite give up scrolling through social media, which I know is what I should do. But instead, I go now to find the light relief that I really need. So I have two awards to give for in the light relief category this week. One is Satellite Sister Natalie. Because Natalie posted the unbelievably delightful videos of a bear in her backyard pool. So it wasn't just a bear in a pool. We've had those before. Mm -hmm. It was a bear in her very own pool. And I just can't get enough of those, Natalie. Thank you. And I know, I think a lot of other people felt that way. It looks like you got 125 comments just in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. about <laughs> We just enjoy the bears in pools, don't we, sisters? I love them. Can't get enough. Yeah. A nice, cool bear in a nice, cool pool. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would feel if that was my backyard, uh, <laughs> but, you know, Natalie, that's your issue. But for me, thank you for your bear in your pool. And then the other tidbit that just really made me smile is that last week was uh, Malala's birthday. Malala turned 23. Isn't that amazing that she's graduated <laughs> from college? She's <laughs> off in the world. So she tweeted out, uh, chapter 23, exclamation point, ready for a quarter life crisis. Thank you so much to everyone for all the good wishes. And I thought, I thought if Malala's 
allowing herself a quarter life crisis, we can all allow ourselves a certain level of breakdown, right? Because, <laughs> because I mean, really, Malala, take it easy. Put your feet up. I mean, I, I, I think you can take a whole, take 25 years off. Your, for, your, your first quarter life was intense. So it just, it just made me smile that that's the way she was thinking about her life. Maybe, maybe just back off a little bit, a little bit of relief, crisis, respond. Anyway, uh, happy birthday, Malala, and thank you for the thought. Yeah, perhaps she could have a gap year, Liz, and yeah. you know, take yeah. a year off. So. Yes. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm looking for with my tidbits? I am looking for telescope tips. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that we're having sort of a screen-free uh, Nana Camp this year, um, and I inherited a, a telescope from my in-laws. I don't think they ever used it, but when I was cleaning out their garage, there's this big giant telescope. So I nabbed that. It's in my garage. Um, so, but I, I don't really, you know, I need some telescope tips. I, you, you always see those commercials where the parents go out and they set up the telescope. And, oh, it's, it's true. The wonders, yeah. wonders of the sky. Well, I, I just don't think it's going to happen that way. I, I want some. I, I need some facts. Like the big fact I need to know is like, how late do I have to stay up to actually see stars? That was mm -hmm. my number one question. Cause I get tired here at Nana. Yeah. And yeah. if I can't really see any good stars to like 11 or 12, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bringing out the telescope. <laughs> I mean, just a dark sky. Is that enough? What do I need? You know, I know there's some good apps for it, but I'm looking for some telescope tips because I think one night we're, we're going to haul this thing out and set it up somewhere. I don't know where to set it up, what skies. I, I don't know any of that. So, okay. <laughs> Everybody's doing some learning this summer. Yes. Even, even oh, I, Nana. Know, I, I know, I know people know about telescopes. So I'm just using the satellite sisterhood. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best? You know, I know Leon wants me to make little fairy houses at night, but I, I think I'm, we're going to look at some stars too. All right. Well, my tidbit is about buffets. Who's going to miss buffets? Liz, Julie, I be am. honest. Yeah, sure. I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Love them. Love yeah. them. Yeah. You know, I love that breakfast buffet in the morning at the hotel, right? When that's free and you can just, you don't have to wait or talk to anybody and just go get your breakfast and, you know, maybe have a few things you don't normally have. I'm going to miss those. Well, Tim Carmen from the Washington Post had an article all about, uh, all about buffets. And I just want to, I just want to put this out here. This is something as my sisters, you need to promise me because uh, he wrote that the coronavirus outbreak has simply reminded us of the risks already inherent in buffets. Okay. We weren't, yes. we weren't that safe before because uh, you're only really as sanitary as the customers who've gone through the buffet line before you. So just remember that before you get too sad about losing the buffet. But here's yeah. one of the that a Las Vegas hotel is playing around with the concept of the endless entree. Okay. So instead of going to a buffet, you just keep ordering omelets <laughs> from your waiter. Oh, I, oh, oh no. I'm here to tell you sisters, if that is how I'm spending my days, endless entreeing, you have my permission to stage an entree. Things are not going well. <laughs> Complete intervention team rolls in. Yes. <laughs> 
That is a red flag. If I start going and like, I'll have the spaghetti and meatballs. I'll have the spaghetti and meatballs. I'll have the spaghetti and meatballs. I I mean, in many Asian countries that that's, you know, you do get plate after plate after plate after plate of food. Yeah, that's. uh, Well, I don't I don't need that, Julie. I'm just telling you right now. That's not a special event banquet, Julie. It's not. It's not a daily habit. (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's banquets, not buffets. We should be focusing on. Yeah. They haven't cut those out yet, have they? No. I, Julia, I don't know. I'm just focused right now on never becoming a partaker of endless entree ordering. So there you have it. All right. We would like to thank Sergio Enriquez for putting our show together this week. Thank you, Sergio. Thanks for connecting us. We miss seeing you. A big thanks to our advertisers and thanks to all the Satellite Sisters and Misters out there who support our advertisers. It's actually how we how we stay in production. All right, to-do list. Julie, what, what's on your to-do list this week? All right, I am going with my campers and my geologist husband and my dog. We are going to Dinosaur National Monument. How about that? So they got real dinosaur bones there, okay? I, all I, I, I came up with the idea, my husband's going to do the driving, and because he's the geologist, he's going to do all the explaining. So I think it's going to be a pretty good day for me. Is that in Colorado or Wyoming? It's, it's, it, it, no, it's uh, Colorado and Utah. And actually, the, you have to drive to Utah to see the dinosaur bones. Yep. I think I've been there. I, I think I've been to that a long time ago. I, I think I've well, been not there. with our family. You haven't. No, no of course not. not. No, we didn't. Go, no, <laughs> I don't. I think our parents managed to go to not a single national park ever in their entire life. <laughs> I think that's fair to say, isn't it? I think that is. Name yeah. one. Name one they could have gone to. None. Statue of Liberty. Does that oh, count? Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. They just didn't take me. You remember that? <laughs> I was okay. Yeah. Okay. Liz, what's on your to-do list? Okay, well, this is sort of the summer of doing things you would never otherwise do, right? So here I am in central Oregon, and the Deschutes Land Trust uh, normally does talks and hikes and things, but obviously things being what they are, now they've gone virtual. So tomorrow night, they're doing a virtual talk about a subject that I don't, I really don't know anything about. So I am signing up for this, sisters. It is all about bats, fantastically oh. furry flyers. So join Sarah Rose for a virtual talk about bats, are often misunderstood yet fantastic and fascinating furry friends. So I think that sounds like something I would never otherwise do with my life, right? Yeah. So, no, that's good. Bats are cool. Yeah. Yeah. All about bats. Online. I, I have never, I've never believed the bat propaganda. I mean, I know they eat mosquitoes <laughs> and everything, but... You don't. I, you mean never, that they're good? No, you don't. You don't no, buy. No, they're it. bats. Look at look at them. They're bats. <laughs> don't, Julie. I mean, they I, are, no matter. They I don't are, care how how many talks. I know they're so good for nature and all. I uh, no, they're bats. Uh uh-uh. uh They they are fantastically furry flyers. Anyway, I'm I'm on the market to find out more about bats. That's all I'm saying, and that's what I'm going to do this week. Oh, Liz, I can't wait. Can't wait for the full. <laughs> bat report next week next week i'm pro bat and i am our dishwasher is broken so i'm just gonna let it rest that's my to do just gonna rest it before i call anybody just pulling an edna dolan just letting it rest to see if it comes back to life i believe i have faith all right sisters uh have a great week you You too too, leah and don't forget call your satellite sister